to the grand final footy festival edition of what are the odds and straight off the bat big celebratory shout out for baz let us know what you've done over the weekend mate it's a momentous weekend for yourself and uh 22 other blokes well 44 other blokes yeah plus a few others that missed out but um yeah the old brighton boys won the flag in the resis and the seniors and i uh Stepped in for a game with one other. We co-coached the reserves team to victory. So any any you know master strokes in the uh, coach's box? Any words of wisdom? Nah, mate. When the, we had a really stacked reserves team and uh, didn't have to do much, mate. They did all the work and let them enjoy themselves as well because they did all the hard work. So no. I won't claim too much glory. There you go. Well, uh, how else did you go in terms of the, the bets last weekend? You want to claim some glory there? I'll claim a bit with the footy. Yeah. I won't claim anything with the horses because they ran second or anything. It did nothing. Um, but yeah, now we had a good weekend on the on the punt, didn't we, with the AFL and then yourself with the EPL and the and NFL. the NFL too. Yeah, NFL especially love that. We'll get to the Colts later on. Uh, they're going around again in the feature bets, but yeah, don't. Yeah, Colts and Saints are two teams that everyone just overreacted to, and uh, they stood up when they needed to. So uh, you know. Don't overact. Don't be don't be too American with when you're punting on American sports because you'll you'll find the edge and uh, EPL as well. So a very, a very ambitious uh, Liverpool bet got up by a goal. So uh, thanks to the Reds, and we'll give you another dip uh, this week as well. Um, also, whilst we're doing a bit of a head wobble here, uh, fourteen out of eighteen club Brownlow uh, top voter picks. Yeah, we did this... And we did this, eight what, weeks like ago? Nine three, weeks ago. three years ago? Yeah, yeah, we did it eight or nine weeks ago. We we went through each team and gave up our best, and you put an article for for everyone to read on uh, Monday. Yeah, 14 and 18, and like ones like uh, where we had Buddy yeah. finish top five. We also said, oh, look, Josh Kennedy's probably going to vote very well. Josh Kennedy knocks off Buddy by one vote. Uh, the We had uh, Robbie Gray... Yep, as a, as a, the other um, Ruffy. But, but, you know, we got knocked off by other ones. We also said, you know, other yeah. ones is the one. So I think out of the other four, we gave you the... Yeah. Our second pick was the one that won it. So we did pretty well there, considering we did it, you know, eight or nine weeks ago. Big question, though. You're a Pies fan. Yeah. Why didn't you go with Pendles? Well, I just thought Trelaw Adams had a better year. Obviously, I was wrong. In the, well, the umpires saw it differently yeah. on the field. Bit of a strange one, considering... You missed a lot of footy. You missed a lot of footy. Yeah. And the games where he pulled in were a bit like, did he do that much? But he's Pendles. He's, he's, he's obviously just, you know, if he's fit and he's out there and he gets a few touches, umpires are like three votes. I'm also going to give a head wobble here to myself. Round yeah. nine, I said, Tom Mitchell, you laughed at me that, that night. Yeah, and said, he didn't finish me. second. He did finish second. He, oh, he did finish second. Technically, he finished second. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, out. he finished third. Well, no, in pa- polling, in polling. Yeah, with Paddy Dane. And it's a distant third as well. Paddy Dangerfield doesn't count. Yeah. Because he's suspended, but yeah. I did say he finished top three, yeah. and you laughed at me at the time. I, I did. Was, I did. I think you should take that back. You know, you, you gave it to me the other week. Yeah, but you know, I do get it right sometimes. No, you get it right a lot, especially when it comes to the footy. Horses will hope hope they come into form before the spring carnival. Oh, I tell but, you, uh, I'm starting to get really frustrated <laughs> with my seconds or thirds or nowhere lately. It's just giving me the shit. Yeah, I've got plenty of value later on today as well. Oh, that's, that's probably the way to go. Just find some values when they run second inevitably. It's still worth our time. Yep.
where we have absolutely smashed it though is in the footy predictions. Uh, recap: We had Adelaide cover at uh, three goals, and they did way more than that. What were your major takeaways from the uh, the demolition at Adelaide Oval? I just thought that they were a lot cleaner. Mm. So Geelong seemed very fumbly and nervous. Adelaide did not show any nerves whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I mentioned about how important uh, Jacobs would be, and he was really, really good, especially early. And some of his tap work was amazing. Uh, Motlop was probably Geelong's best player, I think, on the night. Which is, is that surprising or concerning? I think it's, I think it's good. It's good, like, yeah, he's, the other players can go. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a bit of a enigma. Yeah. But when he's on, he's on, and I think apart from I said to you earlier today, I think apart from probably your Selwood, Dangerfield, and Duncan, he's been their best player in the final series. Mm, definitely, yeah. Which, you know, I don't know why he's so maligned. I mean, I can see, for, if he was playing at Collingwood, I could probably see it a bit better, but I think he's a pretty good player for what he does. Yeah. And I think that Geelong just end up getting the matchups wrong in that game as well. Like, we talked about, you know, tagging Laird, who went at 90% by foot. He was off the chain. You know, Seedsman, your Lynch, not going to the Crouches. Mm. But they didn't. They went to the Crouches and tried to... You know, negate them it didn't work and Laird and Seedsman those sort of guys and Brad Couch just got off the chain so yeah. and even Douglas played really well and who would have seen Charlie Cameron pop up kicking five so and, and the annoying part is after that game I think Chris got on the front foot a little bit and was like yeah we have to you know we can't expect to be here again next we've got a lot of work to do but there were no hard questions asked of his coaching and you've just pointed out like he, he's essentially got the matchups wrong and I feel like all this all this final series, he's relied on just the squad to be like, go out there and just dominate. Get get a one, yeah, get a motlop to have an absolute blinder or or three. Paddy to carry it. Selwood's, I don't know how he even was physically able to do what he did yeah. in the last three weeks because he's being absolutely cooked. But he's managed. He was probably second best on ground behind motlop. So yeah. yeah, I just feel like no one's really done enough criticism of, of Chris and been like, what are you, what are you actually where, what are you actually building? Like you're getting here on pure talent. And if you actually match that, you make it a fist of it. But like you're getting to this point, and you're doing like a, a ruse. You're doing what your brother did with the kangaroos, getting to the prelim, getting embarrassed, going back. Well, question has to be asked because they've obviously failed a lot in finals the last five, six years. And I think starting Dangerfield four was probably a bit of a mistake because they brought Menzel back. So obviously he's going to play forward kick goals, and I think you should have started in the middle because it was where the ball where it was won and lost really they mm. didn't get it they didn't get it down near him for the first quarter they had no momentum and Adelaide just dominated the game from the start which I have a feeling is going to happen again this weekend but we'll get to that a bit later yeah Geelong had no answers and you know, even when they did manage to turn the ball over they just uh, like basic things like getting off the mark properly I think there was a period in the first quarter where they got a turnover marking the centre of the ground had players on all they had to do was take three or four steps back off the mark then give the handball or the kick you see he took the mark and tried straight away and it got smothered and it went back and was an Adelaide goal and Adelaide scored more than anyone on turnover mm. Richmond's probably the only other one that t- turn, like, scores as much from turnovers and Geelong just kept butchering it they, their skill level was woeful which is surprising because you would have thought that they are I suppose they are a surprising they are a surprisingly young list other than like with no many, not many players at the middle ground, but they've been they've been in the finals enough, and the list hasn't changed that hasn't changed that much that they should have been ready for that kind of pressure situation. 
Yeah, but so that that kind of like nervousness as an excuse probably doesn't cut it anymore. If you take the bottom, you know, six to eight players and put it to Adelaide's bottom six to eight players, Adelaide's bottom six to eight players shit all over. Yeah, Geelong's, yeah. and that's because you know they've gone out and got you know got Dangerfield and they've gone with Henderson and stuff like that. They've topped up. They obviously have to pay these players. That, you know, they don't pay Dangerfield probably what he's worth. They still got to pay them, mm. and you know they've got more salary cap space now. They're going after Ablett which you know, we had a bit of a discussion about today. I don't think it's the right move because long-term, I don't think it's right for the club. Like They might win a flat. If he came across, I don't think they're in a better position with him and the team if they lose a Motlop or a Duncan or a, a Menzel or a Cockatoo. I don't think they're in a better position with him and the team and those four players to win a flag. Yeah, but if they lose like a Colin Jasny or a Darcy Lang or uh, yeah, those type of players that probably have been on the fringe for so long, because Geelong were so top heavy and a bit older in their list, they kind of want to go search for like more game time. Is that an improvement? Swapping a Darcy Lang for an Ablett or swapping a yeah Colin Jasney? But Ablett's going to play forward. Hmm. You reckon? I reckon they should put Dangerfield forward and play Ablett in the middle because Dangerfield can kick you 50, 60 goals. I don't reckon Ablett can kick you that many goals as a forward. I reckon you'll probably kick you twenty or thirty. I reckon he's, he's he can't mark above his head. Hmm. He he would need to get it on the ground. And he doesn't have the leg speed as much as he used to. Yeah, he's still fit and he's got a few you know, ailments that need to be looked after. But I just don't think he's the player that they need. They need to, yeah. to solve their problem, I, yeah. I'd be going after Jake Stringer before Ablett. So you know, it's up to them, I suppose. It's, they're, they're the one, they're, they're, that's why they're the professionals. They're the ones getting paid. And I'm sitting here on my couch doing this podcast. So. Yeah. But it's, everyone's opinion is different, and I know yours is a little bit different as well, and some other people's are. But you know, it is what it is, and good luck to them. But they unfortunately they've missed out in the last six years. They haven't performed in finals, and if they think Ablett's the answer, then good luck. But I don't think it is. No, fair enough. And uh, something else that we probably can't uh, can't do anything but agree on was that Richmond yet again played good footy last week, and you must be absolutely hating it. Yeah, I was. So I, I didn't see much of the first half. So I was watching our know, ones play and win. I did hit, listen to a bit on the radio, and from what I understand, GWS did have a fair bit of the play in the first half and yep. were playing pretty well. They just couldn't score, which has you know been the thing all year for Richmond. Uh, and then it got to the a bit like the Geelong game. It kind of got to just before three kind of quarter time and broke open, and Richmond ran away with it. My only concern is Richmond still up until probably through, half, halfway through the third quarter struggled to kick goals and struggled to put um, scoreboard pressure on JWS when they did have the momentum because it was a big game of momentum swings and that, that's what worries me about going to this week with Richmond but they, I, don't, I don't think they can score enough and I don't think they can defend well enough to, to keep Adelaide down but the Giants they relied on too few like you know playing Stevie J we mentioned it last week played right into Richmond's hands Delidio looked cooked he sure didn't have a great game Lob looked a bit lost in Iraq. You know, you'd probably say their best player was Scully, Himmelberg, um, Toby Green went missing. You know, like, and obviously Shield was knocked was knocked out by Trent Cochran, which, in my opinion, now that that's a very contentious thing to say because he 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 received contact from Trent Cochran, and it depends. Okay, so obviously I'm a Tigers fan, but if you look just, I wanted I wanted to, wanted to look at the criteria from the MRP. And if you look at the incident, so what they would base it on as the MRP, and, okay, there's too many facts for this, but anyway, so the MRP got it wrong to begin with. So the MRP probably should have fined Cochin. 
Yeah. Because the contact, the contact would have been like medium and accidental or what, like all, all the lowest categories, which I think still get you a fine because it was contact to the head. And then he'd get the fine and then you could appeal the fine and get the tribunal and then he'd get off there. All I'm going to say is the, the AFL set precedence this all year. Mm. If this was round 20 or round nine... He gets a fine he and, gets then, a and fine. then he can challenge it at the tribunal. Yeah, He would get a fine and accept it because it's grand final week. No, but as much as I'm saying, but you would, you'd get a fine and accept the one week at round 20. Yeah. But it's grand final week, so you'd, get, you'd accept the fine. And but he's already go, had two fines but you, as well. Yeah, so you accept the fine. And he's very that lucky. Gives you, that gives you a week. He's very lucky not to spend it early in the year for those two incidences. Yeah. I'm... Look, I'm not bashing Trent Contra and I'm saying this is if it was didn't matter if it was Scott Penelbury or buddy Jonathan Brown I don't care who it is yeah that that given what they've said all year and what happens that should have been a fine minimum correct but I think when you then the, the next grand step grand final week they went oh no hang on Trent Contra misses if we give him a fine all the way to the tribunal oh shit AFL yep yep don't do it don't do it don't yeah. do it so that part I agree with but I think <coughs> If it had gone through its due course, being judged as a finable offence, which it should have been, then taken to the tribunal, there's so many things in that in that kind of three seconds either end, like the intent for the ball. When you actually look at like the post-contact, like all oh, the injury, he, he he plays for another 15 minutes without coming off the field. So it's, and he has he receives multiple contacts from there. So like a QC could argue, where's the actual concussion come from? And then if you actually look at what he grabs first, when he. Uh, straight after the contact, it's his arm and shoulder. So I think immediately he's concerned that he's actually done something to his, yeah, to his shoulder, or to his arm, or to his wrist, as it, as opposed to the head clash. So was, there's things that argue that he'd get off at the tribunal. Yeah, yeah, but think I think the, the MRP didn't yeah. do the right didn't do the right process. Yeah. So uh, on that, from last week's game and the whole final series, obviously Dusty's are Dusty's Richmond's best player. But do you think Koch is actually Richmond's most important player? He played pretty well. He, led, he didn't have. He's not having his. They say his disposal games that he had last year, mm. he's having more impact at the contest with his tackles and contested ball and stuff like that. So, I think I, I haven't watched a lot of Richmond games this year. Has he ever, has he been tagged much this year? Would you say he's been heavily watched as much as what previous? I think previous he, he cops the same amount of attention as Sloan does. Yeah. And I think and because they kind of play the same style. And as, and as I think if you're a coach, you go we can't go with Dusty. So why waste a player? So let's make Dusty do everything, yeah. and try and take his and take his provider out of the game. Do you reckon that? Oh, so obviously, we're going to start moving into a bit more into the grand final here. Yeah, Dustin Martin spent a lot of time forward last week. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon that happens again this week? I don't think. I think it's because he was a bit like had a couple of stingers. Yeah, his hip was sore. Hip, he had a hip. Yeah, copped a knee to the hip. He copped a couple of knees to the ribs, and I think he was just a bit proppy. So like, well, roll you forward. I think he starts in the middle. I don't think they. I don't think they do a Patrick Dangerfield and go because he needs. We need to get the ball. If we don't get the ball, that's that's the that's the underpins the whole Richmond philosophy. We need to get the ball and then send it forward, and then we just go in and swarm. I think going by last week, Adelaide Geelong. I really think that Sloane will just go to Dusty. Yeah, and they'll head to head. I think Riley Knight and Douglas will roll through Cochin. Yeah. I don't think uh, Adelaide will really worry about the rest of your midfield group. No, that's but, fair enough. Um, and then. Richmond Woolley, surely they go to a Lynch or a Crouch, like a Brad Crouch. You can't tag, I've said this before, you can't tag Matty Crouch. He's like a Tom Mitchell, just impossible to tag. And he's made a gain the last two games. He's been phenomenal, Matty Crouch. So he's a big danger. He's probably my Norm Smith favourite. That's a big call. Um, so you've got Matty Crouch, Brad Crouch. But again, I'd be tagging your Lairds, your, your Seedsmans, your Tom Lynch, 
and just watch those boys because they get even in Richard Douglas Richard Douglas has been really good for Adelaide this year all year I've complained about how their midfield group I was about to, I was about to ask you that like, this, sounds, this sounds like you're in high praise of a midfield group that you spent half the year bashing yeah, I wasn't bashing him. I just, I oh, thought you just told you, 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 they, you thought that, that that was their weakness. But was, was it their weakness, weakness because they weren't elite, or was it their weakness because they were poor? I think it was their weakness because Matt Crouch and Brad Crouch have been injured a lot. Yeah, and haven't had a consistent run at footy. We knew how good they were, where they'd step up. Douglas is getting older. He's like 29, 30. So again, whether he can perform to those levels, and you wouldn't have seen like you know, you wouldn't have probably thought Riley Knight would come on like he has. Um, you know. Miller hasn't played as much as you probably like, but even he's had a pretty good year when he has played. And you like your Smith, your McKay's, those sorts of blokes playing. Like McKay's as well, he's a bit older, but he's probably played his best season of footy. So you get those blokes and yeah, you get your those half forwards and off the back of the square with your Camerons and Betts running through. They've just got a different mix and obviously they've got one of the best ruckmen in the league as well. So probably didn't take that into account as much as I should have mm. but they've really stepped up and we're going to do this process a bit later I think they've got Richmond's midfield well and truly covered well, we might as well just jump into that into that head-to-head process now uh, obviously you've just listed off pretty much every player in Adelaide singing their praises so I think I think part of that is true like if you went the champion data player ratings and just pure numbers and um, pure talent I suppose Team v team, Adelaide. Adelaide wins this on paper. If this is like a, a dice cricket situation, but finals aren't always going to be like that. And you do have your anti Richmond goggles on a little bit, but uh, I've backed you the last six weeks. Yeah, this but, week uh, I'm 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 that far off your uh, bandwagon. It's not yeah, funny. You, you've, been, you've been left behind and you're sulking in the dirt. But let's let's roll um, through the through the lineups here and see if we can find a matchup where Richmond actually has the advantage. Now, that will be the outlier, obviously. So we're going to go up how teams were lined up on the AFL website last week. Yep. Uh, obviously, there's going to be it could be one or two changes at Adelaide. Uh, rumours are they might go a bit shorter. So Otten or Hardigan are the rumoured outs for either you know malaria to come in. Um, Miller. Miller, sorry. If they actually, if if Ella want to bring in malaria, we'll, we'll take that because we might have a bit more I'm chance of winning. Still suffering from the uh, flu, uh, and obviously, you know, Richmond probably coming unchanged. I would think so. Yeah, unless Castagnia finally gets dropped. Oh, that would that I well, all week and some uh, full credit to the uh, to the journalists who had the balls to ask Castagnia, do you think you're good enough to play in the granny? Of which he said yes, because why wouldn't he? Um, but uh, Bolton had an absolute blind on the weekend, so. Um, as did, as did Sam Lloyd. So there's, there's a couple of blokes nibbling at his heels, but everyone wants everyone wants Castagna out. Castagna with his... I think he had two or three Falcons last weekend. Oh, three Falcons and a couple of missed goals. He didn't have a great one, but... Uh, he hasn't had a great final series. The pressure's caught up with him, so... And that's one thing as well before we go into this. So I listened to the radio. The first quarter, apparently, Rance, a few other boys are like rewalled. And a few other your senior sort of players were real nervy, had the fumbles sort of thing. And you watch Adelaide's first quarter, that was smooth and clean as anything. And Richmond were a bit fumbly. Yeah. That worries me early in the game, but, but we'll keep going. Yeah. So we'll start at full back for Richmond with, full, with full, sorry, forward po- back pocket to forward pocket. So we've got Brandon Ellis and Tom Lynch. Yeah. Oh, so- I think... I don't think Lynch wins that out and out, but I also don't think that Lynch needs to win that contest. I just think he needs to facilitate the rest of the forward line. We've talked yeah. about this a lot for the last kind of four weeks. Lynch can go out and kick goals and dominate a game, 
but it's not his role in the team. He's cut, he's a literal linchpin for yeah. Adelaide's forward line. So yeah. even if Ellis goes to him and even if he only gets seven, seven, you know, really clean touches, they're going to turn into seven goals, guaranteed. Yeah, because he's such a good user. He's just going you know, to just lay out blokes on the tin. Too, yeah. So. Brandon gets a lot of footy coming off half back. What will happen? Yeah, what will happen there is he'll actually force Lynch to be accountable. Yeah, so, but, but it would happen the other way because if Lynch gets off the chain as well, he can be very dangerous. So it's mm. one of those fifty-fifty ones. I actually don't know if they'll match up on each other. Like I said, we're just going through what the teams yeah. listed, but it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Rance and Jenkins. Now I think as much as Rance was fumbled early on last week, I think this is like his game. Like yeah. if my if Richmond win this. Rance is a Norm Smith. Yeah. And so I think Brian he... Brian Lake-esque. Yeah, he wins his matchup. And that's the, and that's, that's the way Richmond going to win. It's going to be a very low-scoring game and defense is going to dominate. Yeah. Because um, Adelaide will pepper the, the 50s. So yeah. I think Rance wins that matchup. And Jenko, you know, runs his mouth a bit, but I don't think he's had... I don't think he's had... You know, he's... Yeah, I think the nose got to him. Because this week he went out and uh, did a press conference saying, oh, apologies to Patty. I didn't actually mean it. Listen back to it. It sounded like a bit like a dickhead. So I do have a comment on all that stuff. Yeah. We'll get to it in a minute about, yeah. about Adelaide and a few other things. But yeah. I think Josh Jenkins has a big role to play because Alex Rance never goes to the main 40. He always goes to the second tall. So whether it's Josh Jenkins or Andy Ottens, if he plays. Yeah. And their role will be just purely to drag Rance out. Exactly. Make him accountable. Yeah. So that's good for Josh because he likes to... He does have a good tank. And he's more of your um, out the back yeah. sort of uh, tall forward. So the other one is uh, Dylan Grimes, Eddie Betts. Now, history would say that Grimes has got him covered. Yeah, I'm scared of Eddie. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie could come out of here and kick six from from all kind of angles. He could kick seven, and the seventh one would be off the roof. Like it just—he yeah. could come out of here and have, he could have a Rioli esque day. Yeah, and this game, especially in the first quarter, that, that's my. As a, a nightmare as a Richmond fan, but it'd be amazing for this guy that finally gets their, like finally gets a chance on the big stage to come out and do a Rioli and kick three and a quarter like he did against West Coast, like Rioli did against West Coast, do the same against Ask and just have an absolute ripper day, and then he can just enjoy it and he deserves it because he's a player that's so mercurial and so good to watch. Yeah, well, he's it, it, a bit of emotion. He's probably the only Adelaide player that showed emotion after the game last week. Mm. You know, thirteen years, he's done it pretty tough, and you know, he is a player that could absolutely like with Jane. I know a lot of people in your boat like would be happy for him to tear it up Yeah, but there is you know he could go missing also Dylan Grimes does have a good record on him so it'll be an interesting sort of match up then you go to halfbacks you go to so Basha Hooley versus Richard Douglas again I don't think it's like it's it's probably 60-40 in uh, Douglas's favour I think Basha could Basha can go with him and nullify him but I don't think I don't think Basha can dominate that much yeah it's a it's a 50-50 matchup. Look, Douglas has been pretty good this final series, been pretty good this year. And he's but he spends more time he's, so with Adelaide they they have their half forwards roll up to the stoppages so they can get the, the spread and yeah. they they outnumber at stoppage, handball, run, go forward. And then use the space up forward. So yeah. Douglas will spend more time around the stoppages and in the in the midfield than what probably Basher Hawley will. So Basher Hawley might either go with him or someone else will, and Bashful will probably stay back and, and sit in the pocket, yeah, yeah, and probably pick up one of the other smalls or, you know, be a be a sweeper kind of thing. Uh, you got, then you got David Asprey versus uh, Taylor Walker. Now Asprey's had an absolutely fantastic year and a great final series, and Tex really hasn't done that much. No, and even and we called Tex out. We called him out. We last said, him, yeah. 
you got a big shoulders text and he hasn't really took him on board yet. Nah. So he's not having wearing wearing carry series by any means. No, and what about Asprey injury? So he hurt his AC and everything in the in the prelim? Yeah, there's been nothing saying he's gonna get dropped or anything like that. Yeah. And I don't think we're I don't think any team in this day and age is dumb enough to roll with a an injured person in the in the final. So yeah. if he's selected he's good enough. Yeah, this is the this is the big one because this guy has got some blistering speed and he he doesn't Sometimes he gets the footy and he runs that quickly with it. No one's going to catch him. But he doesn't slow down for it. He kicks it and he shanks it. And he misses some easy goals, but he's very, very mercurial. And we saw that last week when he took a screamer and kicked five. So Charlie Cameron versus Nick Vlosten. Now, Vlosten again. Vlosten was arguably best on ground last week against the Giants. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't see him... I think his role, again, is very similar to Batch's. Like, they play that holding defender, yeah. get the rebound and go. They're not. They're not really utilised as a one-on-one defender. Yeah. Um, I don't really think we have a match-up on Charlie if Charlie comes with the goods. Yeah, that's my worry, is your back line. Like, you've got two good talls in Rance and uh, Asprey, and Grimes is a pretty handy... But then the rest of them to, to, to man up... To be accountable and man yeah. up one-on-one is a bit scary, you look yeah. at, You've got Taylor Walker, Cameron, Betts, Jenkins, Lynch. Then you've got the other blokes like Andy Otten who roll through there. Yeah, um... Hugh Greenwoods, you know those sort of blokes who can take a contested mark, and obviously when you know Sam Jacobs, Drew Ford, it just yeah, just a lot more dangerous than probably your forward line, and oh, definitely, and, yeah. and, and a lot more dangerous when you match up the backs versus forwards. Uh, so centre on the wing with came uh, and McIntosh versus Rory Atkins. Uh, I think Atkins has that one covered. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. McIntosh, you know. Decent young player, but I think yeah, Atkins is definitely going covered. Then we've got Cochin versus Rory Sloan. Now Cochin has been covered, I reckon. I think I think Cochin this year has really dispelled that myth that he's like a soft disposal only player. Yeah. And he's so he's, a he's, he's cracked in hard and he's, he's he's just his impact on a contest. So he's he's almost as we saw on the weekend, why he should have should have been fined or reported. Is he he's that battering ram mid now. He's like really like, I'm gonna hurt you if yeah. I don't get the ball. And I don't think Rory likes that. The game is where Rory didn't have an impact. The games where he was physically and tightly tagged, and if that happens to him this week, he might not have that much of an influence. Yeah, like, so I reckon Rory and, and Dusty will line up. Like, like, like yeah. last week with um, Paddy when he went in the midfield, I think Rory had Paddy covered last week. Yeah, and I, I really like the two hard nuts him and Dusty. Yeah, and I think that'd be a great matchup in the midfield. In that one, I see I see where you come from, Cochin, but I think. Cochin will be Cochin more versus Crouch, Matty Crouch, yep. than it is Rory Sloan versus. Well, they're, they're two massive matchups, then. They'll be they'll be they'll be exciting to watch. Uh, and then you got McKay versus Jacob Townsend. Now Townsend's been sneaky good this year as well, and you've scoffed a couple of times where uh, certain TV pundits have called Townsend a match winner, and he hasn't been a match winner, but he's come out and kicked some you know handy goals. He's, he's, kicked, he's had less than thirty kicks in his games. Yeah, his total games, but he's kicked like. 15 or 16 goals yeah, or something. Yeah, he, he jags a goal. So, yeah. he, yeah, I think he, you'd, be, you'd be silly for Adelaide to just think, oh, let's not worry about him. I don't think he plays a wing. He's a more defensive sort of forward. He does a job. Yeah. Takes a, you know, an attacking uh, backman. I, would not, I wouldn't be surprised if Townsend goes to the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And, he gets, and then they use him on the... So what happens is they'll have an attacking halfback, so you're Royal Laird. You'll put a defensive forward on him. And what the instructions would be is if he is in any sort of space whatsoever, 
you, you go through him because mm. then it makes Laird more accountable and it makes the opposition coaching staff go, shit, what do we do here? Yeah. Uh, then we go to the halfback. So Luke Brown on uh, Kane Lambert. I think that's a, a dead rubber. Dead rubber and a, and a bit of a, like a, a no influence rubber either. Yeah. I feel like they're, they're, at the, they're out on the fringes of those 22s. Yeah. Well, again, this is what the teams have lined up last week. So Dustin Martin at Sanar Ford uh, against Kyle Hardigan. Well, I think Dusty is Dusty is arguably better up forward than Patrick Dangerfield is. Yeah, I I agree. If you if you had the more midfield strength and Dusty was able to play forward, I think that'd be great for you guys. It would really help uh, Jack Rewart out and, and your Riolis and Caddies out a lot more. Be out. He won't start there. He'll be definitely in the midfield group. So yeah, but I, I think Kyle Hardigan is a good matchup, and I, I'd be really. I don't think Adelaide need to change their team to go smaller. I think they just need to stick to what they're good at and stick to their team because I think they're still good enough. So, I, I, you know, last week after the game, uh, Tex Walk said, you know, we're going to go there to win it. We're well, going there to win it with your style and your team. You're not going to adapt. To the, to the, to the, to the lower-ranked team yeah. as well. Like, You've been the best team of year. Go yeah. there with your team and win it. Uh, then we've got uh, Paul Seedsman, the ex-Collingwood player, and Josh Caddy. Uh, a seedsman by far. Really? I think so. Josh Caddy would get him on the by front running a bit, and Caddy would probably play a little bit more midfield. But seedsman's a real so he's replaced uh, uh, Smith for Adelaide. Yeah, and he's not. And as, he's not as good as Smith, no, but he's, he's still pretty good. He's got a wicked leg on him. Yeah. Now in his Collingwood days, and when they, when he played big games, he used to get the fumbles and that a bit. But he was pretty good last week. We're interested to see how he backs up it this week in the in the big one. Uh, the big matchup, Jake Lever versus Daniel Rioli. Oh, Daniel Rioli at his best, I reckon would would not would fifty fifty it. But Jake Lever's an absolute jet, and that's why everyone wants him. Well, I reckon I reckon Jake Kelly would probably pick up Rioli, Rioli in the end. Yeah. Uh, but again, we're just going off what they did last week. Last yeah. week, so um, Jack Rewalt versus Talia. That's really tough, but I just don't. I actually don't think. So Jack obviously hasn't had a massive goal kicking year. He's, he's still kicked enough, but his role here is to bring the ball to ground. If that's the way that's the way we play footy at Richmond now is bring the ball to ground, and if we can't score, lock it in, and that's that's just how we'll roll. And we'll, yeah. and we'll just take if it takes us five stoppages to score a goal, we'll take us five stoppages. Like we're not going to see. Well, if we did, it'd be amazing. If we just came out here, clunked fucking ten marks, yeah. kicked five goals, ripped the game apart against Talia, you won't do that. No. But as long as he halves a contest against Talia and doesn't and doesn't let Talia just mop up, then that's okay, and we'll yeah. take that. Yeah. Well, Talia's not a big possession getter, but he is someone who comes across, cuts across, does a lot of defending, um, so sort of spoiling, and he's he's been immense when he's been fit this year, Talia, and he cleaned up Tomahawk last week. And I don't think it's. I think Jack's a lot better than Tom Hawk now, though. Yeah, but I don't think Jack's in for a good day. No. You know, Dan Butler and Rory Laird. So the big, the big one down halfback. I hope that's not the matchup. If that's the matchup, Rory Laird gets off the chain to yeah. me. No, nah, well, obviously. I say yeah. So that, I don't think that'll be the matchup. But yeah, Rory Laird is a absolute danger player. I reckon he will orchestrate a lot of that rebound run. And again, if you watch the Richmond game early last week, where Richmond looked vulnerable was when Giants had the balls to kick instead of handball. Yeah. And Adelaide have a lot... Well, they're a kick-first team anyway. They're very Hawthorne circuit, the, the yeah. triple dynasty. And the only way... It's a catch-22 for Richmond because the only way to defeat that kind of kick-first mentality is to pressure the ball carrier. 
But if you press the ball carrier and you don't bring him down and he kicks it, you get ripped apart. Yeah. So the only way we can defeat Adelaide is the easiest way for Adelaide to defeat Richmond. So it's it's very much it's going yeah it's a very interesting matchup, and you can only you know, all games kind of go one or two ways, but this one could really go one or two ways in a tight contest where Richmond kind of wear down Adelaide, yeah. or Adelaide go nut nah, we're on we're clean we're not fumbling we'll kick it we'll mark it we'll kick it we'll mark it and then I think it's game over in like fifteen minutes. So. Well, then you got the midfield and ruck. So you got Toby, Dan Curvis, Dion Prestia, Sean Grigg. Versus Sam Jacobs, Riley Knight, and Matt Crouch. Yeah, that's again a very, that's a very especially that Nankervis Jacobs. Right, Jacobs got him covered because yeah, Jacobs is is underrated, and I don't know how because he's abs- he's an absolute jet. Because he doesn't get the ball, so he's a very good tat ruckman, hmm. and he he doesn't really get the ball a lot around the ground. But he can still kick goals. Yeah, he does drop to a forward. Yeah, but he, when he does get the ball, he needs a handball. He always gives a handball to a runner. Hmm. So. And he, he can be used as that link player sometimes, but Jacobs, like his tap work last week, he set up a goal for Cameron, then he took a big pack mark in the four, like in the first quarter, which really set the tone. And yeah, he played a really good game. Some people are saying that he's a good pick for um, Norm Smith as well. And just, I think, a Ruckman in Jacobs. modern day, yeah, is not a great choice. But yeah. he could like he could have a good enough day against Nan Curvis. Well, I've got two players from each team I'll give you that, yeah. that can win it. So, But I haven't got Jacobs to win this. No, nah, I don't think so. No. And then you got interchange of Brad Couch, Jake Kelly, Hugh Greenwood, Andy Otten versus Shane Edwards, Jack Graham, Nathan Broad, and our mate Castagna. Now that's that. This is the real problem, and so one of the many many uh, cliches on the encyclopedia of footy cliches is it's not your bottom, not your best six that win grand finals. It's your bottom six. Yeah, and that's those benches kind of tell the story here. Yeah, because our bench is a bit like, oh, who are they? And you just had. A crouch on the bench for Adelaide, so yeah, and so they've you know on on the bench for Adelaide was Crouch, who's probably their most probably top four most important midfield it's rotation. Yeah, Jake Kelly has been awesome from down back. Hugh Greenwood is just a beast inside footy, like inside footy, really tough, lays lots of tackles, and Andy Ottens who can pop up and kick goals and adds an, another bow to their tall forward line. And it'd be interesting to see. They obviously don't release it because you know it's classified club information but the actual minutes spent on ground via rotations because I think Adelaide's would be quite even for their midfield spread yeah. whereas I think the players named on the bench for Richmond spend a bit more time on the bench they're not as they're not as involved and they're not they're, yeah, they're there they're there because we need to have 22 not because they're in like the entrenched yeah the only one there would be Shane Edwards is a gun and he'd probably mm. be starting on the ground for maybe a Dan Butler or, or a Caden McIntosh yeah. or a Townsend but yeah like I just see all that, all that tells me when we go through that is just Adelaide are just a better team. They've been the best team all year. And how clean they were last week compared to Richmond, how they won their finals compared to Richmond. Like, so I know R- Richmond have blown out teams late in games, but it's been a real grind for two, two and a half quarters. And it, like against Geelong, they dominated that game but didn't make it count. Mm. Against JWS, they had their moments and JWS had their moments. I feel that Richmond have also, this has been said a lot as well, may have played their grand final week earlier. They've had a lot of media build-up and everything with the brown low and everything else, you know, all the pressure about Melbourne. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is one of my myths. So I did a couple of myths that I got from this game because I knew you'd go this angle. So the first myth is that Richmond are the team that are most under pressure. And I think that's actually wrong. Yeah. Because I think Adelaide... Well, you think that... So, yes, it's a 35-year drought for Richmond. It's a 19-year drought for Adelaide. 
Yeah. And the Adelaide media is going mental as well. The yeah. Adelaide advertiser came out on Saturday morning saying the flag is ours. They've yeah, already they've already written, they've already they've already written it up. They've yeah, already they've already locked it in. And for them, they're thinking the same thing. Like our team's better. We're the best team all year. We're playing Richmond. Richmond are no good. They're defensive. Defensive teams don't win grannies. And so they have to come across here and they have to try and let's try and play on the MCG, which they're not. They're not that great at playing on the MCG. Well, the other thing is with that. So the reason why I think Adelaide also win is in the way their club has come together. I don't think any club has been through the amount of shit they've been through. No, lately. that's very true. So you got Dean Bailey passed away, one of their assistants. Obviously Phil Walsh. Um, and they've had some other things go wrong, like players leaving. And even now, like you hear all about Lever and Cameron, yet they're playing some great footy. Mm. And you hear the players come out in the media and talk as well. And like they're not afraid to talk the truth and talk mm. a bit of smack and stuff. I reckon they've really set up their club. Like I think they've been underrated as a club because you look, at them, look at them now and you go, they're probably the best-run club in you know the comp. Like they've never, haven't got a top-10 pick. They lost Dangerfield, arguably one of the best players in the comp. They've replaced him and got better players. They're probably going to lose Lever, probably going to lose Cameron. But what they've said to him is, like, oh, you guys can go. We'll, we'll facilitate your deal. We'll help you. We'll look after you the best way you can to get you where you want to go. But for the next... Yeah, best, six, eight weeks, yeah, whatever it is, yeah. You play your best footy like Charlie Cameron did, like Jake Lever's doing, so you help the club out as well. And I, I reckon Jake Lever's already told him he's going. Mm. And he's probably told half the playing group. Paddy Dangerfield did as well. He told certain players and certain people at the club and it worked for them and I think that's the way they're running their club and it's almost a bit American sort of style mm. and it's working for them and you know they're staying there at the national anthem everything like that it's just wicked and I just think that they're just that far ahead as a club and definitely and I think they also have as much as everyone's or well, not everyone we're obviously based in Melbourne so we get a, a very Melbourne bias but everyone's on the Richmond bandwagon inverted commas I actually don't think that is the case because as much as you know, people in New South Wales don't want to admit it. AFL is the national game. So yep. there are Perth supporters, there are Adelaide supporters, there are Queensland supporters, there are Tasmanian supporters. None of those ones are going for Richmond. In fact, most people in Melbourne aren't going for Richmond. It's no. just Richmond going for Richmond, yeah. and everyone else is kind of really hoping that Adelaide. And it's because of these things. Adelaide's an open club. They don't have that many dickheads. They want to talk to the public. They want to be open. They want to do all those things. So I actually think Adelaide going in as the as the crowd favourite as well as the, the odds favourite as well. So, um, On that, do you think... This is my other myth. Are Adelaide overwhelming favourites? Oh, yeah. I just can't believe... So why is it $1.72? $1.72 worked <clears> out to be about 58% chance of winning if you go into percentage versus decimals. Oh, just the... 58% is ridiculous. The stupid Richmond people out there actually believe. Yeah. Um, so I obviously know a lot of Richmond supporters yeah. and some of them are like yourself you know pretty open but a lot of them aren't they actually have this blind faith they're going to win yeah. and then you, then you start talking to a few other people and I think last year with the Bulldogs thing it's kind of got people thinking it's happened two years in a row it won't I cannot be more certain about anything in my life than the fact that Adelaide will win by more than seven goals in a weekend. That is that is an absolute soundbite wanting to happen, but uh, <laughs> that's all good. Um, I totally agree, though. Like, I would have thought this would be, um, you know, like a long two dollars for, for Richmond. Like, if Richmond were at two ninety five or something, yeah, I'd actually have a punt on Richmond and be like, no, that's that's decent, and I'm getting my coverage there if I bet smartly. Yeah, but like, that's almost we're almost at evens. 58%. We're almost saying this is a 50-50 coin toss. And we've just spent the last 20 minutes saying how comprehensively better Adelaide are at football. Yeah. So it just doesn't make much all, sense. All the stats line up. Like, you know, they don't miss. Like, 
they talk about their score involvement and everything like that and um, how, you know how good they are in clinical they are in front of goal compared to Richmond you just everything like just everything points to Adelaide winning however there is one misnomer which you've mentioned a lot so since round 17 Richmond are actually the number two ranked scoring team yeah they average 100 points a game they're the number one defensive team, only conceding 64. Yeah. And they have the best percentage at 157. Yeah. And Adelaide are ranked first for points for, fourth for points against, and third for a percentage. Have you seen the last six weeks, uh, last five weeks, so Adelaide, and have you seen Adelaide in the final series? They've conceded less than 10 goals in both games. They still have Richmond. Yeah, Richmond have had played, in my opinion... Like, We've both played the Giants. Yeah. We've both played Geelong. Yeah, and I think Adelaide did better playing against both of them. Okay. Like, the, in the Giants game, that game was over a quarter time. In yeah. the Geelong game, it was over a quarter time. And in the Richmond game, it was over, they, were, they were over just after half time for both cases. Yeah. And you, so, but you, you allowed them to stay in the games for longer because you couldn't put them away. True. And so the only thing I have in Richmond's favour here is their second half performances. So it's 10 goals three against Geelong, yeah. 10 goals four against GWS. Yeah, that, if, this game, if this game is even at half time... It's properly game on, yeah. if, if, if it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so may as well, crystal ball time. What, what have we got? What's your play action? You said you're going to be sitting here at home. You, you can't stand going around Melbourne because it's going to be full of filthy Richmond fans. Yeah. It's not worth going interstate to Adelaide because they'll all be empty because they'll all be over here. Yeah. Well, I, 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 seriously, I couldn't believe I saw this before. It's $5 for 40 points or more for Adelaide. Yeah. I'll be getting on that. Adelaide, just head to head, even $1.70 is just money for jam. And the line of five and a half is just ridiculous. Adelaide will win this game. And look, I have a bad feeling for Richmond that if it gets out to six or seven goals, that's just going to escalate. This could be a Port Adelaide of was it 2012, 2013, when you lost the toss. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. This could, be that, this could be that sort of game. I think I referenced the 2017, uh, 2007 grand final, Geelong versus Port Adelaide. Yeah, definitely. 119 like, points. This could be like... This could be the Hawthorne West Coast grand final a few years ago. This could be really ugly and really bad. And I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. So on that, and it's a pretty good thing to bring up. So grand finals uh, since 2001 go one of two ways. So we've had uh, eight grand finals where the winning team has scored less than 100 points. Yeah. And it's been close within three goals. Yeah. And we've had nine grand finals where the winning team has kicked more than 100 points and the game's been an absolute blowout. Yeah. And that's it. There's been nothing in between. There's no, no tussle and like, oh, they win by 24 points. It's you win by like less than 10 yep. or it's game over. Yeah. This is going to be game over. Yeah. Early as well. So I'm gone, I've gone both. You've gone both. <laughs> so I've gone, I've gone the, the, the hedge bet and also the optimistic bet is either team by under 15 and a half. Yeah. Paying $2.63. Yeah. Which could happen. Yeah. And probably if it is close, you know, Adelaide still win. But yeah. You know that keeps Richmond in the game, or the blowout. The blowout backup is Adelaide by forty or more yep. at fives. And then you know, just if you're a Richmond fan, do yourself a favour. Whatever you're going to punt, just whatever you spent, win it back on that bet just in case. So if you do have a horrible day at the footy, you can go back to your bank account and be like, oh, I came that evens on that account. Yeah. So that's a good way to do it. Um, the other thing I found for an angle to kind of boost Adelaide's odds a little bit uh, is two kind of more valueish bets. So Adelaide to get the most clearances and win is two dollars seventy. Yeah, 
And Richmond to get the most inside 50s and Adelaide to win yeah. is $7. That's a pretty good bet. And I think that plays into Adelaide's, uh, to Richmond's game style of bombing it in. Yeah. And But also Adelaide have so many good intercept markers yeah. that they're just going to use it on the other way. So Correct. our bombing tactics might not work and that actually might play out to an absolute T. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, that's my bet. My five, my top five for the Norm Smith. Yep. So I've got, I've got three Adelaide players. So Jake Lever, uh, Charlie Cameron, or Eddie Betts, probably one of those two. Yep. But my best bet is Matt Crouch. I think he wins it. Yep. And if, if Richmond were to win it or to do anything, it'll be the first time since Chris Chad, Nathan Buckley, Morris Rioli, Gary Ablett, the losing player, Dustin Martin, has won it. Yep. So, Unless Richmond win, in which case... He still wins it. Yeah. Him or Trent Cotchen are the only way... Rants? Yeah, look, if it's a real low-scoring game, maybe, but I think that Cotchen and Martin will, will... If they're the ones that are going to win it from a Richmond point of view. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, only other ones I looked at was a couple of prop bets. Uh, congratulations to the bookies. I've bagged you all year for your ridiculous over-unders. You've hit the nail on the head on this one. You've at least done some historical research. So the uh, line's 172.5, and the average since... Uh, 2001 for grand finals is 171.6. So, well done. You've uh, done some research. Congratulations. They, they nailed it last week as well. Yeah. So, they've been, once there's only a few games, they have a bit more time to go back into the history books yeah. and work it out. Uh, 30 possessions and three goals. Uh, Dustin's playing $5.50 for that. Yeah. So, I think that's a pretty decent one. Um, and then, one that everyone gets pretty excited about is the first goal. Time of first goal. Time of. So, I went back through the grand finals since the, of the AFL era. Yep. And worked out when the first goal was kicked and also in the finals matches. So in do-or-die games, when's the first goal kicked? And then I compared that as a percentage to the current paying odds. And if I'm getting better than the odds, I'm going to have a dip. So 35% of the time, a goal is kicked after five minutes. So that's paying uh, $3.10. The actual yep. odds should be $2.86. Yep. So they didn't do their research there. Bit of an angle there. And the other one to look at is uh, less than a minute. So 15% of the time, there's a goal kicked inside the first minute. Uh, they're paying sevens, and it should be sixes. So if you want to do a little sneaky, silly bet at your, uh, as part of your sweep or whatever, make sure you get under fi- under one or over five. And uh, even then, it doesn't matter who, which team wins, you can still be a winner yourself. So that's the play action. But uh, yeah, I think realistically... Uh, Adelaide Adelaide win but you know what if Adelaide win it's still a good year for Richmond like everyone had Richmond been a bottom four team and we've made it to the granny so enjoy it don't be too sad if we lose go absolutely mental if we win Um, and and yeah enjoy a good day of food go Adelaide roll on now until uh hopefully you've got some uh, value for us elsewhere in our feature bets mate yeah well i've gone uh, it's a bit of a weird weekend for racing obviously with the afl grand final uh corfield has moved their race meet from saturday to sunday and obviously with the nrl grand final on sunday uh it's a big race meet on saturday and obviously the moya stakes and the jra cup and a few other decent races are on friday night at mooney valley so it's a real big weekend for racing 
Uh, I, f- I found one from each day to give you on this on this podcast, and I'll put a few up over the weekend as well. Uh, so the f- on the Friday night, race six in the sixteen hundred meter Zuster Stock Stakes. Now we've fought, we've been on this the first two starts. It won here last year um, over a bit further distance, so it's already won at the track. The barrier isn't a problem because it's going to get back anyway and run on late, as we've seen the first two starts. It's been running good times late. Gets really good weight relief here, so it comes in at 56.5. Jamie Mott is one of my favourite jockeys. He doesn't get many opportunities to ride in town, but he's a gun jockey. He has a lot of weight issues. Third up should be should be ready to go here. Probably needs still needs a little bit further, but at twenty odd dollars each way value, it's, it's it's finished within you know three lengths last start of sort of light and Swampland. And Swampland's been going really well. It finished five and a half lengths behind Mister Sneaky. And the answer was my friend, and we saw the answer. My friend came out and won really well two weeks ago at uh, Caulfield. Was it Flemington? Some of the can't remember. It was when I was sick anyway. And I think at twenty dollars, it gets the extra couple hundred meters. There's gonna be speed early in this race, so I think you'll see it again. It likes to finish off late. It'll come down the outside. Hopefully, jag us a place. There you go. So we'll go. We'll go day by day. So that's Friday night. Yeah. Uh, for Friday morning, I'm going back. Going back to the all balls again. So first of the all balls is the pig skin top and tail multi for the NFL. I've got Green Bay to cover. They've got uh, giving up seven and a half points to the Bears at home, which is, again, ridiculous. Uh, and then I've got the Colts to cover away, 11 and a half, and Kansas City to cover six and a half at, at home as well on the last day. So Green Bay are rolling. Aaron Rodgers absolutely killed it, put on a masterclass clinic, only uh, surpassed by uh, the man himself, the big chin out at New England uh, for the most amazing final drive of the game. Um, so they win, and a very big game for Green Bay because it'll be the first time if they win since 1932 that they lead the head-to-head stakes against the Chicago Bears. Really? Yeah. So are these games on Thursday night? Uh, this will be the Friday morning game. Friday morning game, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the, that's Green Bay, and then midweek is the Colts. I'm not saying the Colts are going to win. I'm just going to say they're not going to lose. They're not as bad as everyone thinks they are. So Jacoby Brissett, everyone's like, oh, he can't learn the playbook. Well, he's learning it pretty quickly. Uh, they won against uh, the Browns on the, on the weekend. Again, they tried to lose it, but they didn't quite. And the Seahawks aren't good enough to win this by 12. They've, they've got not much going for them. Uh, definitely, when they're giving up 6.5 yards per rush and 200 yards a game, that doesn't really expel much uh, chance for success. And it's not a big success as well. So back in the Colts there to cover. And the Chiefs, Chiefs are arguably the best best team in the NFL at the moment. Um, and if you were smart enough to get Kareem Hunt into your fantasy team, you should be absolutely killing it. Yep, that's And that's, that's what Baz did. Yep, that's I what did. Baz did. So whether it was luck or whether it was actual smarts, we don't quite know. But uh, congratulations to him. And with Hunt leading the way, the Chiefs win this game yet again. And uh, that will get you a cool, hard $7.62 for that triple. And a bit of extra money in the bank come Tuesday at the end of the uh, NFL week. So Saturday. Saturday, yeah. We go to Royal Ram Week. In the Metrop, so race eight at Royal Randwick. You'll be dual screening at that stage. Dual screening, yeah. I'll probably turn the footy off by then. Um, down the weights, Foundry. Now, ran really well last start at uh, Mooney Valley. Start flat, finished second. The Rhythm of Spare at Caulfield. And Rhythm of Spare has 
the four mines around that horse has been pretty good. And then obviously wasn't probably fit enough. So the last start at Mooney Valley was over 2,040. And it was a bit of a blowout with Magna Pal and Lord Durante and Kilkarni. But they were, the, they were the horses that were fit. They had five or six runs at that distance. There's a lot of these horses were second up or first up. Ran really well. Only finished, I think, just under a length off first. Looks set for this, I think. 50 kilos against some of these is just ridiculous. At $10 each way is going to be a really good bet. I think it'll be finishing off really well late. Just, I can't believe it started at nines. And the other horse in the same race, it was Loresho. We've backed it before. Um, it ran ran into nothing but ass coming home up the straight last start. And you get around $50 for it. So it finished fifth at Al- 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 Alamedon and Crocodile Rock and a loft. Uh, again, a couple of weeks ago at Flemington. It ran uh, third before that at Mooney Valley, which was the day we were on it. Um, and again, it's it's four mines stack up. It's good at this distance. Clockwise form is really good too. So it's had 11 starts for five wins and four placings. This distance is three from three. Soft and good doesn't, nothing, like everything just says it, for this thing to be 50 to one, I'll be having an each way bet on both these and you'll probably still come out in front. No, good to hear. So after the footy, uh, Saturday night we'll get the EPL action underway and I'm um, going for another round ball multi of uh, Bournemouth with a double chance against Leicester, Stoke with a double chance against Southampton and Liverpool to win yet again away to Newcastle. Uh, quick reasons why. Uh, the Bournemouth-Stoke double chance games are going to be uh, pretty crappy games of football, to be brutally honest with you. Um, sorry to all... Bournemouth, Leicester, Stoke and Southampton fans, but it's just a fact. Uh, Leicester are one of the only three sides that have never beaten Bournemouth. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So, uh... Did, did Bournemouth lost last week? Yeah. Who did they lose to? Oh, Everton. Yes, they did. They did, yeah, yeah. And I picked Everton. Yeah. That's why we got up. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and yeah, the, the goal scorer was... Uh, a bloke who's been shut out from the club and we had to pull him in because we had no strikers left. That's right, and he absolutely dominated. He did. He scored during the week and then scored again uh, against you guys. But anyway, yeah. get going. Yeah. Um, and so Leicester are in uh, are a shambles at the moment, to be brutally honest. So Vardy's missing shots from the spot, which is not great, but that's not their major problem. The major problem is in their last 14 matches, they've only managed 12 points and only three wins. And so for uh, when you kick out your old coach and you say, oh, he's no good, and you yep. bring in a new one called Shakespeare, and he's like, oh, it's all poetic, it's all great, we're winning games. Yep. He's, he's not. He's, not he's, he hasn't saved him very much since the little honeymoon period. Uh, but even worse is so far this season, six, six match days in, they've managed one win and four points. And going away to Bournemouth isn't easy. So uh, Bournemouth should get at least a draw there, take a double chance. Um, Stoke, another another game at Britannia, another dour game against Stoke, really. Stoke at home are one of the toughest teams to uh, play. Shout out to Fuan. Shout out to Fuan. Um, they kept Man United to... Uh, they beat them, didn't they? It was a draw. No, draw. Draw. Yeah. Um, so they can do it against the proper teams. They just don't play pretty football. So uh, Southampton didn't score against Stoke at all last year. Yep. Probably more away. And they're not going to do it here. So go for Stoke for the draw or the win. And then Liverpool. Liverpool... Shout out to Liverpool. You're playing some amazingly entertaining football. Uh, you're not always winning. You're not always defending. But you will kick a lot of goals. And in the whole history of top flight football, Liverpool versus Newcastle has never been a scoreless draw. 
Really? Yeah. So expect goals. Well, what if it is a scorched or what if, it, what if they break history? Well, then they break history, but, you know, we can only go off history. History is the only provider of form. So uh, I'm expecting a Liverpool win here. They managed to uh, managed to throw away a game um, overnight in the Champions League, but they're still a classy team. They're a little bit chaotic. Klopp's a little bit eccentric, but Newcastle aren't that good. And the Reds get it done, and that pays you a very modest $3.74 but uh, a good cover bet if you are a Richmond fan who's 2-1 on it to look past the stats. <laughs> we go to Sunday at Caulfield in race eight, and we're, again, we've, we backed this at first start, at first start as prep, and we chucked it in for our multiples in the Memsey, and it ran a very nice third. This time, it, it's going around again at 1,400 in another Group 1 race. Now, in this field, let me tell you, there is no Vega Magic. There is no Hartnell. There's no black heart bar. It's a pretty weak, from in my opinion, a pretty weak sort of group one race. Now, toes and stardom. Mm-hmm. We're going back there. Yep. So my only concern is it's drawn barrier 16. Well, we're still going back there. We're still going back there. I don't think it'll really matter the barrier. I think it'll still be good enough in this in this field to probably get up. So it's had two starts now at 1,400. Blakey Shin's on board. Good jockey. It's okay at the track and distance. It's third up record is five starts for two wins in a, in a second. So it's in prime time. Prime time. It loves a good track, so it should be a good track. It hasn't really won for a while. It, that does start to get me down because it has, obviously, you know, it's running places every every start in Australia. But I just think this is a, a lot weaker field. I know it's dropping back in weight as well, so it's it only carrying 55 this race. It's been up carrying fifty nine, so I just really think this is a, it's been this is the race for it to win. If it's ever going to win, this is the one. It's around ten dollars at the moment. You know, the only other one in this race is it's a danger. It's drawn the car park as well, and it's somewhat. You know, Grand Rosso is probably a chance, and old mate Sosi Bond is probably going to rush home, finish late. So, as a note to listeners, write down all of those names just in case, because so far in the last couple of weeks, every time Baz has said the only one that has a chance of beating this horse is the horse that beats the horse. Yeah. So, uh, take note of them as well. Yeah, I generally do. You know, give you two or three when I say here, and I've, that many times I've jagged the trifecta in first four. It's unbelievable. So, but toes and stardom. I think it's around ten dollars again. So I've, I've given you three or around a ten to twenty dollar mark, and even one at fifty. Surely this week we have a collector. If they run second and third like I've been going with... Each way them, don't be a fool, and you'll be sweet. And we'll be right. So they'll be up on my Twitter page. I'll keep you updated over the weekend because so there are some good races. I might even be sitting here on Saturday watching the footy, just go race by race, give my thoughts or whatever. So, so there you go. There we go. And then Sunday night, uh, I have the pleasure of being a Melbourne Storm fan in Melbourne. And I have the pleasure because it's not very often in Melbourne you get to be like the one town club fan. And we are that, and it is literally Storm versus the rest of the world when it comes to NRL. And it's going to bring me nothing more than absolute joy when we, when I fly to Sydney, have a few brewskis with a couple of uh, Sydney boys, and then steer right up when we absolutely pants the Cowboys. Um, much like the Adelaide game, we can look for angles, and oh, the Cowboys have tried hard, and they've got good defence, and they, they hold possession, but at the end of the day, this is a much bigger gap than the Adelaide-Richmond game. Storm have been... By far the best team, not only of this year, but of the last probably four years. Um, and the romance is there as well. Cameron Smith coming off probably his best year as like a 35-year-old 
number nine. Absolutely, absolutely scenes, absolute craziness that will be. Cooper Cronk leaving the club at the end of the year, most likely to retire. Um, Billy Slater coming back from having his shoulder totally destroyed. Um, just, just, and then there's the plethora of blokes underneath. Like our squad of 15 is just that deep and that good. Um, I say it's being a tight game because NRL funnels are pretty tight. So my my best bet of the weekend will be the Storm to win an under 36.5 points, which gives you $2.60. Uh, and the unders, even by themselves, want an insurance bet are very sweet. Um, the unders have gone, the unders have got up in eight of the last nine NRL grand finals. So storm and under thirty-seven points, and you are laughing for jam. And that brings out the infamous Gordo All Balls multi. And so my All Balls multi for the weekend, the festival of football is got up last week too. Got up last week as well. So listen closely, AFL either side by under fifteen and a half points. Fingers crossed. Storm uh, just to win. Liverpool just to win. And Packers to cover their seven and a half point handicap gets you a cool $12. And that will hopefully uh, pay for any of your festivities over the long weekend. Well, last weekend we spoke about the cricket, the JLT yeah. Cup. The markets finally came out. Cricket Australia 11 got up today over South Australia. So you can write South Australia off. Don't back. But Queensland, so somehow New South Wales are the favourites. Yeah, because they're from New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. If you had listened to my preview last week, so Queensland and the the Vic Bush Rangers are the two best teams. So Queensland Bulls are at four thirty three at the moment, and the Bush Rangers at five fifty. Get on the Bulls now because uh, and the Bush and the Vicks because once they start dominating, dominating, they'll come right in. New South Wales, yes, they got a couple of good players, but carrying a lot of players as well, a lot of older players. Tassie are no good. They're worse than South Australia Tassie. South Australia are no good. And Cricket Australia 11. Whilst they had some good, a good result today, don't expect that to be the norm. the norm. And WA, yes, they got some good players. But again, I think Queensland and, and the Vic's depth will get them over the line. So just get on the Bulls, I reckon, $4.33. There you go. Get on the Vic's because up the Vickers. And uh, up the Storm and up the Tiggies. That's all we got for what are the odds this week? Excuse me. I got a million with you, Kenny. Yeah. Choose one. Hey, bring it back. Now double your money and make a stack. Oh, on to the next one. On to the next one.